from the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School. This is Career Talk on Business Radio. Here is your host, Dr. Don Graham. Welcome to Career Talk, your career insider. We are here on Business Radio. We are powered by the Wharton School, Sirius XM, Channel 111. Hey, if you're tuning in, it's Thursday noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific. We're taking your calls right now, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. I'm the career director for the Wharton MBA program for executives right here in Philadelphia. I'm also a licensed psychologist and former corporate recruiter. We have Dream Team in studio, Michelle and Dion, and we have a fun topic for you today. So technology has changed the way we communicate, build relationships, do business, and even get hired. But like all things, technology comes with a certain etiquette that must be followed. And today's guest is an expert on this, and he's going to share how you can use technology to be successful and avoid the common pitfalls that many make when using it. Again, if you have a business etiquette question, we want to hear from you right now at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. And today we have Scott Steinberg, who is the CEO of management consulting, corporate training, and market research firm Future Proof Strategies. Scott is the author of several books, including The Business Etiquette Bible, where he helps clients better understand emerging trends and drive growth success on the back of them. We're excited to have you on Career Talk today, Scott. Hey, Don. How's it going? It's great to be here. Spring is in the air. Couldn't be more excited to chat with you and the listeners, and I think we got lots to talk about. Yeah, business etiquette. I mean, obviously, we're going to talk a lot about the technology side, but there's so much we could talk about related to business etiquette because things are constantly changing, and I'm, I'm guessing that's what inspired you to write this book. But tell us a little bit more about how you came up with the idea for this and why you felt it so important to put this information out there. Sure. Well, the world, of course, is becoming more globalized, more virtualized, and a lot closer. So people from different cultures and different backgrounds are increasingly interacting more frequently than they ever have before. And as a professional speaker and keynote presenter, I oftentimes will show up at conferences and events, and you learn that different organizations all have their own sense of etiquette, all have their own corporate culture. You may see people from time to time who operate on smartphones and meetings, who communicate when it comes to sales and branding, largely via the Internet or online or mobile channels as opposed to -to face-to-face. And I realized that even as we'd made the switch into a 21st century world, not a lot of folks had equipped us with the training and insights that we need to do things like run corporate blogs or interface via video conference or think about what the nuances of communication were that you need to keep in mind when you're mostly interacting via email or online, where a lot of the human touch and emotion can be lost inside the communique. So that's what your book is about. It's about um, it goes chapter by chapter in all types of situations, whether you're in a job search or whether you're posting online to market your business or, or whether you're doing Skype calls and meetings. I mean, all of these things have their own set of, of business etiquette rules, if you will, that you need to know to be successful. And sometimes we're making these mistakes and we don't even know it. So I'm curious, Scott, do you have do you have like a business etiquette or manners pet peeve, like something that just drives you nuts when people people do it. (laughs) I can tell you one of the things that's been driving me nuts lately is on LinkedIn, obviously hugely popular if you're looking for job opportunities or chances to connect with partners and potential clients. But I really kind of get cheesed off when you connect with somebody and about five seconds later, you get what is obviously a form letter immediately asking for business or asking you to check out a product or service. I come from the old school where it's all about building relationships, and I think it's important to connect and be respectful of other people's time and get to know them and think about how you can help them out as opposed to, say, immediately asking for something two seconds to be connected when it's clearly obvious a bot or some sort of automated script has put it together. I like to let things percolate over time and actually get to know people and work together and be familiar with their pieces of thought leadership or their videos. You really want to get to know somebody before you ask them for something, if that makes sense. And I always try and give as much as I get to think about what's in it for them. So if you are going to do outreach on LinkedIn, I think it's much better to send a short note explaining who you are, why you'd like to connect, and then give it a little bit of time before you do some outreach. And I think that's perfectly reasonable. I think I think most people would agree with you that one on Scott. That, and I'll tell you this, if that happens to me, I will automatically delete you as a contact if, if I get that email 
or that that form letter five seconds later. But I have to say, I just I love that you say cheesed off. I have not heard that phrase in, in so long. So I just had to. The polite version. We, we have to keep it PC. <laughs> so yeah, we are a PG thirteen show. So um, so one of the things you brought to mind re- related to kind of the LinkedIn and marketing is, you know, one of the things that that kind of is my pet peeve is that when you interact with somebody or when you you know connect with them, they automatically add you to their email newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I I subscribe to newsletters and I you know I enjoy getting information in my inbox but when somebody automatically adds me just because I had a conversation or because maybe I, I connected with them on LinkedIn that bugs me so I mean am I am I wrong on that should I should I just accept that as normal business etiquette today depends who you ask in some cases it can be infuriating of course but you also have to keep in mind that we live in a world in which people are bombarded with thousands of marketing messages on any given day so in any 24-hour period you could be hit with somewhere between three to six thousand marketing messages and you tend to tune everything out so i think people are just trying to find ways to break through the noise i don't necessarily want to see my email inbox fill up with spam but you got to keep in mind there's also an easy way around that you can always set up a free email account through gmail or other services where essentially all those email lists that you're added to are filtered down to that. So a lot of it is about thinking about protecting basic privacy. I don't necessarily think it's a good idea to add somebody to a regular mailing list just because you've had one conversation with them. But again, it's going to depend on the industry. It's going to depend on the organization and the individual. Not everybody minds it as much, but boy, let me tell you, when you get about 1,500 messages in your inbox, it can be a little bit to dig out. Well, you make a good point. People are trying to break through and and get noticed, but I feel like an email inbox is not the place do that anymore because people get so many emails and people have two, three, four, five email addresses where they're getting emails. So I feel like that's not the the best place to stand out. And I'm actually a firm believer in going into your inbox and unsubscribing. If you're not using it anymore, if it's not relevant to you, maybe it was at one point in your life, unsubscribe. Just unsubscribe. <laughs> yeah, you got to declutter. It's the same as the tiny house movement, right? Less is more sometimes. But the other thing I think to keep in mind that maybe is worth pointing out here since you brought it up is that the biggest way that you can attract attention and break through the noise is to stand out and differentiate online and to create value for the other parties. So to really think about how can you be a thought leader, how can you be sharing news, opinions, insights, trends, or feedback that maybe will be of interest to other people, but most importantly, save them time, effort, or energy to really think about how you can better their condition for the exchange in the end. So a lot of it really is about thinking about how do you put yourself on all these different networks or places where people will be and be searching online or spending much of their time gathering news or information, and then really thinking about what kind of value can you add to the conversation. And by the way, if you're not a content creator, if you're not great at writing, you don't think you want to go online and create a bunch of videos to upload, you can always be a curator, right? You can be almost like a digital DJ who filters information and provides the most important, most relevant, most timely information on a space or sector. So you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. Hey, do you have a business etiquette pet peeve or, or something that's a bad manner that just, just I'm going to use your phrase, Scott, cheeses you off? Because <laughs> I love that. Um, you know, so maybe it's you're on a train and somebody's on their cell phone talking really loudly or something. You know, you can you can help make the world a better place by sharing it on today's episode of Career Talk. If it's Thursday, noon Eastern, give us a call at 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. And tell us what your business etiquette pet peeve is. And Scott, um, along those those lines, in your book, The Business Etiquette Bible, you, you talk a lot. Um, the, the subject comes up a lot about promoting others more than you promote yourself, mm-hmm. which is something that, you know, I think a lot of people are not taught to do. They're taught to get on, on Twitter and all these other places and promote your business, promote your business. But, but you make that point a lot. Talk to us about how you can do that, how you can find a better balance between, you know, promoting yourself online and promoting others and, and why that's important. Sure. So the old rule about always be closing and going for the hard sale doesn't really apply anymore in today's digital world because people are going to be getting to know you and they're going to have so many different choices in terms of competition. Anything is literally a click or call away. And the issue that you run into is so much seems like a commodity. If you're easily replaced in their minds, then you're not going to command much value and they're not really going to stick with you. There's not going to be a lot of loyalty. So we talk a little bit about the 60-20-20 rule when it comes to creating and sharing content. Essentially, that 60% of what you should be putting out there on social networks especially is other content, right? People uh, or news items that others have created or content that they have shared that you can put your own unique twist or feedback or spin or opinion on. And then about 20% of what you share can be promotional in nature directly to yourself. But the other 20% might be in the form of 
asking people questions or getting their feedback or getting their insight or otherwise trying to find things that they have to share and offer that you can engage in conversations with them about. So really it's not about a hard sell. You also have to keep in mind that so much of the research being done these days is being done online. People will find out about you and make a decision to purchase whether or not long before they ever engage with you. So really you want to make sure you have a pleasant interaction and be a, a trusted and comfortable presence in their online lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I like the the tip that you, you've provided in the book, and I think you've even alluded to in this conversation, which is being the curator of information. Because if you're not a content driver, I mean, one of my favorite things is when somebody reposts an article and says, here's the one nugget you need to take from this article so that I don't have to read the entire article, or here are the three key points, or here's the, the one thing that you want to focus on. Because that's a great way to add value, and you don't have to be somebody who is creating that content. Hey, if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We are here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible, and we're going to go to Anita in Alabama. Anita, what's on your mind today? Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. How do you feel about the mass emails where you get an email and everyone's email is visible? Okay, so when you're, you're talking about, Anita, when you send an email and all the names of the people in the to box are visible, is that what you mean? Yes, exactly. Okay, Scott, so is, is this, you know, in your business etiquette um, expertise, is this something that's okay to do? So it depends on the organization, again, and the culture. Some places like to have everybody CC'd on everything. Managers may get upset or offended if they don't appear to have been kept in the loop. They may get a sense that you're trying to do an end run. But, of course, when it comes to copying, you can always BCC or blind carbon copy in your email and take those people off. And before you send, I think probably the best word of advice is to think about who really needs to be copied. Do they need to be on this email? Are they going to be able to offer feedback and input? Are you just doing it as a token or a cursory a glance or gesture, could you, in fact, perhaps maybe update them separately? Maybe you can decouple them from that large chain and just give them a brief update and say, hey, just want to be respectful of your time in your inbox. By the way, I'll keep you posted as things progress, but you don't need to keep them on every one of the 300 emails you're about to engage in. Yeah, and, and I, I also feel like it's a, it's a privacy thing. So it depends what you're sending, Anita. If it's something that you know, you're sending that, that maybe people don't want other people to know that they're a part of it, then, yeah, putting all of their names in the two box, you're like, oh, wow, that person's involved with that. And so I think it's, it's really important to think about that, too. Is it is it going to be potential privacy issue that someone sees who else is on that email versus um, – taking them off but but yeah great question Anita we really appreciate it um have you had that have you had that issue where you've been put on an email that you didn't want your name on I have I have and I did respond directly to the person that sent it just like hey as an FYI you know I prefer you know not to be disclosed and it was like okay I totally understand but it was unfortunate because then everyone like you said everyone knew I was affiliated with it um, and then not to mention, if one person responds, you're going to be, you know, your inbox is going to double or quadruple in the yeah. number of emails. Yeah, and that's but a great so point. Much. Don't reply all if <laughs> to those emails because then you end up getting 40 emails in your inbox of people saying, yep, I'm in. Great. <laughs> and you're like, stop it. Stop it. Yeah. So, yeah, really good point, Anita, and something helpful for everybody to be reminded of. Hey, you're listening to Career Talk. Thank you so much for your call. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. What is your business etiquette pet peeve? We want to hear it today on Career Talk so that we can help make the world a friendlier and happier place. 844-WARDEN, 844-942-7866. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can also tweet at Dr. Don Graham. And we're here with the business etiquette Bible author, Scott Stein. We're going to go to Dwight in New York. Dwight, what is on your mind today? Hey, Dr. Dawn, I just called with two things. One is a pet peeve, but one was to confirm your pet peeve. Oh, awesome. My wife, and I over, <laughs> my wife and I over breakfast this morning, we're both entrepreneurs, so we quite often discuss things that are taking place in our business. She mentioned that her partner is very quick to add people when she gets a business card to the mailing list. And of course, Grr. my wife hates that because she thinks that is intrusive and if we're going to do it, we should do it with an opt-in feature yes. as opposed to an opt-out, right? Give me so the choice. If they want it, they can select it. But if they don't, they just let it go. Okay, Dwight, so can I ask you a peeve, question? Wait, before you get to your other pet peeve, i got to ask you a question because there, there's something else about the opt-in. Like, I, I opt-in if I want to read something. And I read a lot. I'm, I'm opting into a lot. But the ones that kind of bug me are the ones that, like, when they have that pop-up. First off, I'm not a big fan of the pop-up when I go to your website. But that's neither here nor there. I know it. 
probably works, and that's why I, people do it. Um, I, I think I, I think based on what I'm learning down at NYU with duct tape marketing, I want to educate people and have them be drawn to me as mm-hmm. your guest is talking about, as opposed to trying to sell them things that they may not need. I want them to see me as someone who's a subject matter expert with knowledge on a subject, and therefore I want to talk to him. Yeah, because That's you, how I try to do it. You're going to be more like, I mean, you want people to actually open and read your content and click through or do whatever. And if you just automatically subscribe them, they're not going to. But when those pop-up comes up, I mean, one of my, okay, this is a really nitpicky pet peeve, but I really don't like the ones that say, hey, do you want to learn more about XYZ? Or then you have the option of saying, no, thanks. I really don't want to be successful. I don't know. Is that supposed to make me feel guilty? Like, or, or no thanks. I really don't want a better life. Like, I don't know why that bugs me so much, but it just does. All right. I'm sorry, Dwight. What's your other pet peeve? My other pet peeve is when people tar- start a tech stream and they add you to it with oh, 30 people. I know. I hate that too. all of a sudden you start getting text of everything, whether it's important or not or relevant. And I keep trying to tell people, this is my livelihood. <laughs> I don't have time to sit here and screen through pictures of your child doing this or your grandchild doing that that's not important not in this context <laughs> Dwight, maybe we're... later yes but not now <laughs> crack me up we're kindred spirits in that respect because yeah because all of a sudden you're sitting there your phone just starts ding 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 you think oh my god there's an emergency and you go over there and it's like look it's the first day of kindergarten and you're like are you kidding me exactly. are you yeah. kidding me uh, scott what is your professional opinion on these pet peeves well, I think it's always important to keep people off the chain of communication if you can. There's no need to clutter up their inbox. There's nothing like being on that text communication, like you pointed out, where you're getting all sorts of random stuff and you got to declutter and it just kind of fills it up, especially even better if you've got some sort of device on that buzzes you or lets you know if you've got a, an Apple Watch so you know when a, a message is coming through. There's nothing like having it constantly buzzing and vibrating while you're in the middle of a meeting, only to look down and see a picture of a cute schnauzer. Oops, not exactly a priority. Uh, the other thing that I think is kind of interesting in terms of the pop-ups and the like. Unfortunately, they do seem to work. But I agree with the idea that essentially you want to be so good that people want to seek you out. They want your information. They want your content. And really, a lot of the signups are driven by free giveaways. You really want to try and provide as much information, as much detail, and as much of your knowledge as you can. There's an author, Jay Bear. He, he has some great thoughts here where he says, just because you give away the ingredients doesn't make everyone a master chef, right? If they get a taste, if they like it, they'll come back for more. So don't be afraid. Put your best stuff out there, whether that's free ebooks, articles, videos, or the like, and try and get people to come to you because, honestly, they're going to do business with people that they like, that they admire, and that they want to build a relationship with. Mm-hmm. Hey, Dwight, what's your business? I am in uh, consulting, and I consult with people around process improvement. Uh, we call it continuous quality improvement. Mm-hmm. What's the and, name? And I thank you for taking my. I thank you for taking this call because it's almost therapeutic. <laughs> <laughs> no one's listening to you with some of this stuff, you know. Well, and hopefully your advice is is making it out there to the masses, and and your group text will be reduced significantly after this show because Dwight, I totally agree with you. Well, best of luck to you and your wife and your business, and thank you for giving us a call on Career Talk. I'm so with you. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. So I have to I have to go to the dream team now. Hey, um, Dion, what is your yes. business etiquette pet peeve? The, the uh, reply all, but that thank you that should just go to the person that, you know, wh- whoever did whatever. And then everybody says thank you. But to everybody, mm-hmm. yeah. just reply to that, to that one person. Thank you. I don't need to know you said thank you. Mm-hmm. I didn't do anything. I'm going to say uh, that is definitely mine, too. One of mine, too. God, I, I sound like such a negative person today. But it's, okay. <laughs> it's, it's the thank you, Dion. It's the topic. It's the topic. But um, I, you know what, what is my pet peeve? On the opposite side of that is when you want people to reply all because it's important that the other people see the answer and then they don't. Then they send and they, it back to you. Yeah, they have to copy everybody. <laughs> I'm like, why? Like, and I do think that there's this like fear of reply all because in more cases than not, you hear it backfiring because you replied to the wrong people. But hey, if you need to share that information, just hit reply all, please, please. Uh, Michelle, what is your business etiquette pet peeve? <laughs> um, I. I have to say, also, just side note, it is weird because I don't know whoever uses Outlook. The new Outlook update, like or at least the latest one that we've gotten here, the new standard button to hit on your emails is reply all. Ooh. Like you have to go to a drop down menu to hit 
re- just reply. That's so it, dangerous. The danger of you know doing an accidental reply all has increased for sure. Um, I would say, I mean, I definitely agree with Anita, and Dion made a great point, which is that when people uh, accidentally or just do include all of the emails, especially if they're outside of the organization on the regular CC instead of BCC, we just think you're old. Like oh. you ha- you're not comprehending oh, that burn. you can actually BCC these days. And you don't have to include. I think that you're not tech savvy, is what I think. Um, it's a- the funny thing, look, I'm sitting here typing an email, and I'm listening to her, and I, I forgot that's where she was going, and it just caught me off guard. <laughs> because because Dion's not BCing. He's like, dang, Michelle. He's he's copying pasting all of the emails into the BCC column right now. Um, I also hate when people have their standard, um, and I have a signature, but when their signature includes cheers. <laughs> cheers. As, as they're, as they're, you know, so greetings and salutations. You don't like the cheers. Yeah. yeah. Or any kind of, like, general signing off, like thanks or anything. Like, if I know that you didn't type that, it's in all of your emails oh. to me, even if it's not appropriate, that gets on my nerves. Good call. So, yeah, so I think um, because you can put it in a signature, a lot of people do that. I th- one that I've seen that's along those lines, Michelle, is that somebody had put thanks. So every email that that she sent had thanks and then her name. And the the, the funny thing is, like, I, she was actually a direct report of mine at the time. And I would send an email. I'm like, can you please do these 10 things? And I'd get her email back and she'd be like, thanks. And I'm like, that really doesn't make sense in this in this. She context. was looking for something to do. Yeah, I guess. I guess. She was awesome. So I'm like, hey. So, hey, you're just tuning in. You're listening to Career Talk, Sirius XM, Channel 111, powered by the... Wharton School, and we are talking about business etiquette and talking about all of our pet peeves related to that and trying to make the world a better place by not replying to all when you don't mean to and replying to all when you do mean to. It's really an easy thing. 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible. So I'm curious, Scott, can you come back from a really bad reply all when you didn't mean to reply all? Is there a way to save yourself? Well, I think the best thing you can do is hope to get back to even on that one and essentially apologize to folks and let them know. Sometimes, if it's appropriate, you might be able to make light of it. If it's an especially bad gaffe, sometimes the best thing to do is just let it go and give them a phone call and let them know and explain it. You don't always have to explain everything in depth, but it is good to acknowledge errors and mistakes from time to time and let people know, oopsie, you made a boo-boo. We're all human. We're fairly sympathetic. Can we write yeah. that? Can we write, dear Dion, oopsie, I didn't, I didn't mean to see, for you to see that I called you that. No, I'm just kidding. That's, that's all right. If only it were that easy to take it back. But I think that's the important thing is to remember is to think twice before you hit post or send. We haven't even gotten into social networks. And just think about that. How many mistakes are made with those non-BCCs? when you've copied everybody, or in fact, if you do have that auto signature. Although, thankfully, I've never seen that. My pet peeve there is when you get like rainbow colors, emojis, thumbs, motivational quotes and the like. Sometimes less is more and it's best to be simple. Yeah, we could talk a lot about emojis. I, I'm Colors, I mean, yeah, there's a lot of things. That doesn't bother me, emojis and colors. But I know there's a lot of research out there that says emojis are, are not professional, but you know, what are you going to do? Sometimes you got to put an emoji in. Hey, we're going to go to Brent in Florida. Brent, what's on your mind today? Hi. Uh, my biggest pet peeve right now is LinkedIn automated messages. Link, so, I get about okay. 15 a day. So, like, uh, what people, type of – yeah, no, go ahead. What type, Brent? I'm sorry. So, people sending automated messages from sales pitches oh, ideas yeah. and concepts, and you can tell it was a bot that did it. They didn't physically go in and type that message out to you. They spammed it to 100 different people. So, automatically, I flag them as spammy and not good at marketing. <laughs> you are not good at marketing. I love that. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm curious, Scott, does this go anywhere when you flag that on LinkedIn? I mean, is that, is that, does that help? Does it really do anything? That's a good question, considering the volume of people and messages they're moving through there. I think the best thing to do is be proactive and, like I was saying, essentially create some sort of email address that's separate from your main work or personal email where you can allow that spam and other stuff to filter without having to worry about it piling up. And you can do that when you sign up for any of these given services. They'll verify that you have an email, but not necessarily whether or not it's the main one you're actually using for work. So, yeah, you can flag them up. You can try and respond to people. But in most cases, the best thing to do is ignore it and let it go over your head. 
Yeah, you get a lot, Brent. That's a lot. I get some, but I don't. I don't get nearly that much, and that can be really annoying. But see, and LinkedIn, I wouldn't want to send that to my kind of secondary email because I do use LinkedIn so often. I want I want the messages that are are relevant to come through. So that's a that's a tough one. Um, but Brent, you you reminded me of something else that's that's sort of a pet peeve. But we've talked about this a lot on the show. Is that when you connect with somebody, please send a personalized message. It takes two seconds and you're going to obviously increase your likelihood of getting accepted but it's it's something that is also stored in LinkedIn so you get to remember how you connected with people but um, Brent that's a really good pet peeve and I I'd hopefully people who are listening if you're doing that please stop doing that that's not the intention of LinkedIn and um, as we've been talking about in the beginning of the show it's really about wanting to draw people into your your um, whatever you're selling or whatever you're offering because they want that product and they see it as a value add. Thank you so much, Brent. We appreciate it. You're listening to Career Talk Series XM Channel 111. We're talking about business etiquette pet peeves, and we're here with the author of the Business Etiquette Bible, Scott Steinberg. So so we started to go down the line of emojis, so let's, let's kind of go with the emojis thing because I think one of the challenges with email is you lose that face-to-face interaction. So sometimes your email can sound a little bit hard when you don't mean it that way, which is why I find emojis can be helpful. But what is your thought on that, Scott? So definitely communication over digital means, whether it's email or text or the like, can be a little bit more challenging because you don't have the human emotion, subtlety, or nuance, which, by the way, can be very challenging. If you're a goose like me, I'm very sarcastic. That doesn't always translate when you put it down strictly in text or digital characters. So Emojis, I don't think they're particularly professional to use, certainly not some of the goofier ones. But again, sometimes they're necessary. For example, if you're texting somebody, then it's okay if you want to convey some sort of mood or nuance to let them know you're not actually angry. And by the way, it's super important to do that because some people are very literal and very logical. They don't necessarily take it as a double entendre, which can lead to some good comedy value. The other thing that I would say, too, is the only time that I would probably insert an emoji or some sort of ASCII character, some silly little uh, semicolon and then a parenthesis so it looks like a smiley face with a wink would be if you're trying to add a more human touch to things. So sometimes keep in mind if people are stressed out, if you're putting together a conference and you guys have been running ragged all night on a deadline, maybe it's all right to throw a little smiley face in there and let people know that you care, you understand, you get a sense that they may be overworked. But in most cases, probably best to skip them if you can. Yeah, I think the research says that both emojis and exclamation points, if you overuse these and people tend to take you less seriously. Also, there's an interesting piece that if you're using emojis and your email is gender neutral. People are just going to assume you're female, which I think is interesting. But yeah, I've tried to pare down my exclamation points, but I I definitely will use the smiley face. So when you were talking about that little semicolon with the, the parentheses, that's all over my email so well. Um, <laughs> and that's not necessarily a bad thing, right? Sometimes we want to humanize ourselves. We let people know that we're there, we're present. Something's funny, we can make a joke. It's not a big deal. But, of course, if, especially if you're writing to somebody that you don't know or somebody who may be more senior in business or from another culture, maybe best not to experiment with a wink and a nod. With a, with a wink and an emoji. So Sirius XM Channel 111, we're listening to Career Talk, and we are talking all about business etiquette with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. You can also tweet us at Dr. Don Graham because we're talking all about your business etiquette pet peeves, and we're going to go to Jennifer in Virginia. Jennifer, welcome to the show. It's on your mind today. Hi, guys. So my pet peeve is related to taking notes during meetings. I do it on my mobile device. But I always get these glaring looks from the older people in the room. God, we're really bashing the older people. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we're millennials and we're here and I'm hoping it changes soon. But I take notes on my mobile device just like they choose to do it on a pen and paper for some god-awful reason. And so I just hope that changes soon. I even work in the technology market space and I, I just – they should be among the first – people to evolve and accept that we take notes during meetings on our mobile device. It does not mean I'm not paying attention, and it does not mean I'm emailing someone. 
I, I love that you brought this up, Jennifer, because I, I think like, yeah, the, the pet peeve is not taking notes on your cell. It's that other people are judging you for doing that. And and I am I am one of those older people. I'm just going to put myself there. Scott, I will let you self-categorize. But um, but Michelle, you're a millennial. So I, I'm going to I'm going to let you respond to this because I, I I probably Jennifer would be one of those people saying, man, she's texting again. I know. <laughs> well, it's so funny because as soon as Jennifer said, like, we're millennials and we're here, I was like, oh, no, <laughs> I am a millennial, but I don't identify with it in that way. I do think it's really funny to Jennifer's point. I think it's weird that taking notes on a cell, I guess, because it looks so much like texting or it looks like we're doing something else is I do feel people giving me the side eye just like Jennifer does. If I And I actually feel the need to explain so unlike if you take out a notepad and you start writing when someone's talking, if I start taking a note on my phone, I have to say to them, I'm taking notes, by the way. I don't want you to think I'm not paying attention. So I actually announce it because it is just a little bit different than what it used to be. So, yeah, I agree with her. All right. I'm just going to. OK, because I know you, Michelle. Like what percentage of the time that you're on, a, on, on your phone are you taking notes versus texting? No, I'm saying in a meeting. <laughs> okay. So if I'm in a meeting, no, most of the time I'm texting you. <laughs> but if I'm in a meeting and I'm texting or I'm on my phone, I'm certainly not texting. I am actually taking notes if it's something that needs notes taken. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I, I mean, Jennifer, there's actually research out there that, that I'm, and I'm just going to, this is me and my old self, that says taking notes on, on pen and paper makes you retain it better. And that's my excuse for, for the god-awful way of taking notes. I just love it. But you're you're very, very, very right that we do judge um, people for doing things the way that we don't do it generationally. Scott, I'm, I'm curious, what can Jennifer do in her next meeting that, you know, will help with this this bias that she's experiencing? Well, you're going to keep in mind a couple things. Number one, for starters, it's going to depend on the corporate culture that you're going into and the group that you're dealing with. Some people, sales, marketing, real estate, when we present at different conferences, it may be normalized for people to check their cell phones or for them to be on their tablets and playing around, even while somebody's presenting on stage because they're in a high-impact, fast-turn business. But that may not be the case if you're in a government or healthcare or legal environment. But I think the easy way to split this hair is to just let people know up front right? You can tell them what you're up to, that you're actually taking notes. In fact, you can be like, hey, cool. I wasn't thinking of playing HQ during the middle of the meeting. I'm not really checking in on Candy Crush Saga, just so you know. I will be typing up notes. It's not that I'm ignoring you. In fact, I'm writing down everything you have to say. It's just simpler for me this way. And you can make a joke out of it. You can present it to whoever is leading the meeting or whoever you may be connecting with. I think if you're just upfront with them about it, they'll start to get it a little bit more. And by the way, just by acknowledging it and maybe making it a little bit more playful, you've already kind of defused that bomb. Mm -hmm. Jennifer, you bring up a great point that uh, one of the things about business etiquette is it's not definitely right or wrong. It could be generational. It could, and Scott, as you mentioned earlier, cultural. It could be something global. And we all have to be uh, a little bit more understanding and ask questions and be curious rather than just jumping into the judgment. So Jennifer, really appreciate your call. You've definitely opened up our minds to this important issue. And we are going to go to our pre-break quiz. Quiz. There's a quiz? Okay, so according to a report in Scientific American, data from a sample of 100 hospitals found that in 2004, over 550 people were injured by doing this. In 2010, that number had more than tripled, and it's expected to triple again. How did these people end up in the emergency room? What were they doing? Think you know, 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. You're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We'll be right back. You're listening to Career Talk on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again is Dr. Don Brand. Welcome back to Career Talk, your career insider. We are on Business Radio. We're empowered by the Wharton School, Series XM, Channel 111. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. And today we're talking about a very fun topic, the Business Etiquette Bible by Scott Steinberg and all of the 
crazy changes technology has brought into the workplace and how you can go about having good manners while using technology. So, Scott, we've been talking about a lot of great things. And, hey, I'm inviting you as our listeners to call us with your business etiquette pet peeve. What's your hot button? What would you like people to stop doing. We want to hear from you, 844-WORDEN, 844-942-7866. So we, we, our previous caller, Jennifer, was, you know, I'm a millennial and this is what we do. And um, I, I want to talk about something else that I think is a, a millennial trend and get your feedback on it. So I think right now it's leaving voicemails anymore is not perceived to be good etiquette. As a matter of fact, some millennials have either disabled their inbox or they let it fill up so that they can't get a voicemail. Um, what are your thoughts on this, Scott? <laughs> I think it's a nifty trick. Uh, what's kind of interesting <laughs> or a clever we, trick. <laughs> that's right. That's right. One way to get through it. Uh, but I think what we're getting at here is that most people just don't have the time or attention to, or bandwidth in many cases, to parse an entire voicemail message. And sometimes they just want to get to the point quickly. So they often say that the best way, if you want to get a hold of somebody, is to email or text quickly, get straight to the point, keep it to within three sentences, but your first line of the email, explain exactly what you want. If you've got any questions, bullet point them out, but just make it as short and sweet as possible for people to field the query. And I also think the funny part, though, is I actually prefer phone calls. I find that one-on-one connection, that chance to respect people's time is very important. It also allows you to set yourself apart, to personalize the relationship, to get a chance to find out what really motivates them and makes it a little more human. And the other thing, too, that's kind of interesting is I actually hear from older audiences that we speak to that, in fact, they prefer that because they're trying to take control of their inbox or their emails or their texts. They really want you to pick up the phone and do that because then you're going to capture their attention. You're going to hold their attention as opposed to being one of 10,000 things in an inbox waiting to be got to. But I think the best way to characterize this is to say, how do we make communication as short and sweet as possible? Keep it simple and just get right to the point. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a firm stand on this. Don't leave a voicemail. <laughs> I said, Dion, what do you think? <laughs> uh, I'm not good with voicemail. So, yeah, don't leave a voicemail yeah, for Dion. I'm, I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I've actually told my mom, don't leave me a voicemail. When you call, that is the voicemail. I see that you called. <laughs> And I will call you back. And like I'll I'll see the voicemail there, and I just won't listen to it for days. Yeah, like I I just don't feel like <laughs> I might be lazy. No, no, I, I I feel you, Dion. I'm I'm kind of the same way. It's like I see you call, but and you know, Scott, to your point, if I get a a, a call from an unknown number, I would don't I don't answer that. Do you answer them? No, I try not to get the unknown <laughs> numbers and leave it alone. Don't be silly. No. Knows how to get a hold of you. Although kind of the interesting thing, though, that's lost when we're not doing the voicemails, and by the way, you also have to keep in mind that the human attention span is about eight seconds, and a goldfish has about a nine-second attention span, if it puts things in perspective. But the thing that's being lost, what's kind of funny, is by not engaging in calls and voicemails and face-to-face interaction, that communications, that nuance, that powerfulness, that presence, that public speaking, that one-on-one capability, that ability to empathize with others and hear what they're saying, a lot of that is getting lost in our communications now. And I would actually argue that these are vital business skills. So if you are a millennial, if you're not as experienced on the phone or you're not as comfortable with public speaking, I'd say get as comfortable as possible because these are going to help you in any team scenario, whether you're volunteering or on the job. But at the same time, of course, again, it's like if you got something to say, say it, keep it short and simple and get to that point. Agreed. So I think the point that I want to extract from that is that that Sure, email technology in the form of text and all these things are are helpful. But to get to those really deep, trusting, authentic relationships, eventually you have to get to the phone call and eventually you have to get to the the face-to-face meetings and build off of technology. So learning how to get beyond the technology as a tool to really build those relationships. And I also think that, um, you know, when you – if you want to call and talk on the phone, just set up a meeting. It's really easy. <laughs> Send a text or an email. Set up a meeting, and then I'll answer the phone. Eight four four Wharton eight four four nine four two seven eight six six. We're here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible, and we're talking all about business etiquette pet peeves. So here's another one that's an interesting one because you brought up email, Scott, and we're all getting inundated with too much email. And you know what's what's spam, what's not, what are you know the emails that we really have to find important. So out of office messages. So it's important that somebody puts an out of office message on when they're they're on vacation or they're they're not going to be in the office for a few days. But what do you think about the trend of 
I'm deleting all of the messages when I get back. So if this is really important, email me after, say, January 5th or something like that. What, what do you think of that strategy for cleaning I out your I'm, inbox? Yeah, I think the last time that somebody actually responded to an initial email that I didn't have to actually follow up with them purposely was probably sometime around 2003. These days, we have so much material coming through the inboxes. Filtering is incredibly important, being able to parse information and quickly discern at a glance what's important, what you need to respond to. I don't think it's necessarily a bad idea, although who the heck knows what you're going to miss if you just try to blanket, delete everything. But I think setting a boundary of sorts isn't a bad idea. It trains people that you can be getting a hold of during certain times or hours, especially if you're on vacation, you want to keep a little bit of a separation of church and state. So maybe defining some basic rules isn't a bad idea. But again, it's going to depend entirely on the industry and the organizations and the folks that you're dealing with. Hey, what is your business etiquette pet peeve? We're taking your calls all hour at 844-WHARTON, 844-942-7866. And we're going to go to Lee in New York. Lee, welcome to Career Talk. Thank you. Thank you very much, Dr. Graham. Um, I'm calling. I heard your discussion about voicemail. And I have a, if I can, a tip from my own experience. I'm a litigator in New York, so I'd say two or three hours of my day is leaving voicemail messages for other attorneys or clients. Uh, the most valuable piece of information something can, somebody can give me when they leave a voicemail is their contact information, especially their telephone number, and especially, really, if they give the time, approximate time that's best to get back to them. They don't play phone tag. So if they're leaving a voicemail, including the important information, yeah, a lot of people don't leave their phone number, which isn't always the same as the the phone they're calling from, or they leave it so fast that I have to listen to the message 16 times and I still don't get it. Um, Is that what you're talking about, Lee? Yes, also, if you force me to look it up and I'm making calls while I'm driving and I'm going through my uh, paper version of a PDA because I'm 20th century, um, (laughs) it it becomes a little bit dangerous, too. So the courtesy that you can extend to uh, a caller to avoid a pet peeve, I think, is to provide the best uh, contact information and time for a return call. Yep. Well said, well said, Lee. And thank you for calling the show. And thank you. I know you are a an avid listener and, and fan of the show. It's always good to hear from you, Lee. Uh, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We're here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible, talking all about your business etiquette pet peeves. Mike in D.C., welcome to the show. What's on your mind? Hey, good afternoon. How are you? Great. What's your pet good peeve, I, Mike? Yeah, I, I actually uh, take the opposite um angle from some of the things that I've heard. I, I think uh, I'm in sales too, so I, I, I do a lot of different personalities and I realize and understand that uh, there's different ways of communication. But I also think, um, you know, exchange is built to handle conversational tasks. So if everybody replies to all, I don't need to look at all. I can just simply uh, delete the whole thing when everybody's done. But I think there's a little bit of narcissism involved in how everybody is uh, focused on, um, you know, should a is voicemail enough? Is it the right medium? Uh, you know, don't leave me messages. Uh, text me versus this or that, and and it's just a new new generation of communication. And I think everybody's just got to be open minded. So, so what is um, is there? There's something in particular that you're trying to embrace now that you you maybe didn't like before, Mike. Well, my my embracing is typically just uh, embracing all forms of communication in a way that it's productive of my business and, and the people I work with. And, and I, I hear a lot of people, it's kind of funny. I hear a lot of people complain about the way that we do communication and yet they are face down in their mobile devices doing social media, um, you know, kind of Parkinson's law, expending, ex, extending the amount of work that they have uh, when they could be getting it done in a very smaller, more efficient amount of time. But but then they're extending it because they're getting distracted with a hundred different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I was I was reading about multitasking, and I know this isn't new information, but the fact is your brain cannot multitask. Like it's it's impossible. And the, the article I just read recently, which is something I subscribe to, um, <laughs> said basically it's the equivalent of thinking you can pick up a five thousand pound car. You can't do it in the same way your brain can't do it. And we convince ourselves that we can, but we're really distracting ourselves by by getting our attention pulled into the late text or the latest social media and and we are reducing our productivity exactly because of that when technology is created to help us to be more productive mike thank you so much great point we're taking your calls all hour long on career talk sirius xm channel 111 844 wharton 844-942-7866 but let's 
follow that up with answering our pre-break quiz. Okay, so according to a report in Scientific American, a data from a sample of 100 hospitals found that in 2004, over 550 people were injured doing this. 2010, that number had tripled, and this number is only going up. Dion, what sent these people to the emergency room? Typing. Typing? Yes. What do you mean typing? That's right. Like carpal. See. Oh, the, carpal tunnel. Yeah, because like, cause there's That's more wrong. people typing. Can you stop? <laughs> <laughs> there, there's more people typing and there's more people typing more and more as we get further into computers and whatnot. So, you know, you type. You know, and you get carpal tunnel, yes. boom, hospital. Especially as old people. Go on. <laughs> no, I know. It's, I, well, you know, I will say this. The reason I let him go on was because, because he's kind of close. Oh. See? So I, 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 wanted, was... I wanted to see where he went with it, but he went in the completely wrong direction. I thought oh. it was just because... <laughs> I thought it was just because it gets more entertaining the longer he goes. No, it does, but I was like, man, that's actually almost... Right. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry. I did. I, but it, I'm, I'm going to put together a half a ding or something. <laughs> yeah, half ding. <laughs> half ding. Michelle? All right. So he's almost right with carpal tunnel. So I'm going to say sitting at your desk. No. Oh. No. The almost right part was the other part of his answer. Oh. I don't even know what other part there was. <laughs> the first part of your answer. Scott, what do you think? I'm thinking people are staring at their smartphones and tablets and walking into walls or walking yep. holes or walking into other things. Wow. Yeah, texting, <laughs> texting, which is why when you said typing, I was like, oh, my God, that's Those right. damn millennials. But then I, yeah, I know. Then I expanded on the answer. But I turned left when I should have turned yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. But you were so close. <laughs> like the textures. <laughs> <laughs> yes, walking into stationary objects while texting. Um, so, yeah, the authors are basing the calculations that this is just going to double again uh, every year. And here's the thing. Here's my PSA for today. If you can't even text and walk, please don't text and drive. <laughs> please. <laughs> please, please. Well, stop doing that. Um, hey, you're listening to Career Talk on Sirius XM Channel 111. We're here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the Business Etiquette Bible. I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're talking all about business etiquette. So we, we haven't even scratched the surface about social media um, and all of these questions people have now with social media, like, should you friend your colleagues and your boss? And what if they try and friend you, Scott? Well, I think the thing to keep in mind is do you want to still be friends with them if, in fact, you are not their colleague or not their coworker going forward? And also, you have to think about the kind of stuff that you share online. So maybe the best option is to defer, to not take the request, or to push it to another social network like LinkedIn, where it might be more appropriate. You really have to think about what kind of content you're putting out there. And also keep in mind that people are very visual in nature, and they may take things that they see, say photos or videos of you acting goofy at a party, out of context and may take it as representative of your character. So you've got to be very careful what you're sharing. Maybe try and tighten the net, only share certain things with certain people. I try not to be friends with folks who might be clients, let's say, on a more informal social networks such as Facebook and the like. Keep it to LinkedIn where it belongs. But it all depends on the type of stuff you're putting out there and also depends, again, on do you want them to see it even after you've stopped being co-workers or working together in some sort of capacity. Yeah, I was reading something recently that kind of blew my mind because I, I feel like this applies to me. But it, you know, the research shows that people get so many, you know, quote unquote, friends on things like Facebook that you don't even realize who you're friends with and, and, you know, where you even met half the people. But but the research shows that when you post something, you're likely posting with a few key people or even one key person in mind. And you're thinking, oh, I want so-and-so to see this or, oh, so-and-so will think this is cool. And you totally forget about the 300, 400 other people who, who may not think that's very cool. So Oh, yeah. I definitely recommend stopping by a concert venue sometime. Go see one of your favorite bands. Take a look around you and realize that the amount of people that can fit in that space are actually who you're broadcasting those messages to. Wow. Well, that's a little scary. <laughs> that's a little scary. So, okay, so if your boss tries to reach out to you on something like Facebook or, or another social media and, you know, they ask why haven't you accepted, what do you do? You look at them and you... Run away. Run away. <laughs> No, no, that's right. No, no stocking, no stocking. But uh, no, I, I think honestly, you could be upfront with them. You could just say, okay, I keep that for personal networks, friends and family and the like, but I'm happy to connect with you. Could we do it on another network? 
So a lot of people ask me, since we were doing a lot of career coaching, um, you know, I, I don't want to make changes on LinkedIn because I'm, I'm connected with my boss and I'm afraid they'll see the changes and think I'm looking for another job. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's something to be worried about. You can, again, press... <laughs> well, you are looking boss. for another job. That is true. <laughs> that's, 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 that's kind of the challenge, right? If it's out there, if it's in the public sphere, anyone can see it. If you share resumes, if you upload them to online career sites, you may expect that copies may surface at some point or other may, people may become aware of these activities. So it's best to keep it on the down low as much as possible. If you've got a recruiter or somebody you're working with, maybe they can funnel it and channel it. I wouldn't necessarily go making changes on LinkedIn. That would be obvious to the boss or the like. Or if you need to, if you do need to do some updates, you could just let them know you're doing some spring cleaning or the like. Or maybe even run it by them and say, hey, you know, how does this sound to you? i just uh, trying to make sure... I characterize my role most effectively here. And by the way, are there any internal positions that might be interested in having me tag along or help out with them? I mean, you got to think about a way to put it that's not going to raise their suspicions. And by the way, getting in front of the issue, probably a good idea versus on the back end six weeks later when they're going, gee, I wonder why suddenly she's taken on 75 different more responsibilities than were actually assigned to the role. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 844 I'm your host, Dr. Don Graham. We're here with Scott Steinberg, the author of the business. Business Etiquette Bible, talking about all things business etiquette on technology. So uh, what are some of the big no-nos? So we know if people are in a job search, we tell them to clean up their online profiles and to make sure they don't have anything that could be considered maybe inappropriate on there. What are some of those things that people should take a look at and make sure that they don't have on their profiles, Scott? Well, I think it's important, again, when it comes to photos and videos, scrub everything so you're not looking goofy or out of character. You have to think about, have I posted something that I'd be comfortable showing to my grandmother? And if the answer is no, then it needs to go. The other thing, <laughs> hey, some people have spicy very... grandma, so that may not be a good filter for everybody. <laughs> there, you, there you go. But the grandma rule oftentimes will help out. The other thing, too, is when you think about posts that you put up there, you have to think about how others may perceive them, especially if you haven't put in that emotional commentary or you've not made it clear that you're being sarcastic and the like. You also have to think about things that you like or share. It may be seen as an endorsement. You may see some controversial material, say, around politics uh, or school and education or work and the like, and you may think, okay, great, I want to share this opinion. But you got to ask yourself, are people going to assume that I agree with this opinion, even if perhaps I'm just putting it out there for people to react to? And by the way, it's also important, again, to think about the image that you portray in all cases. Personal branding is important, right? So if you want people to take you seriously, if they want them to, if you want them to think that you're a thought leader, think about how you're presenting and the message that you're sending. And of course, always think twice before you hit post, because by the way, once it's out there, it can't be taken back. Mm-hmm. It's out there. And sometimes it's if you allow people to post on your timeline or things like that. I mean, sometimes things end up that you didn't post, but now you're associated with. And, and we know we know that over 90 percent of people who are hiring look at social media and they make judgments on it. They have I mean, the research shows that over 50 percent change their mind on a candidate based on it. So it is really important to be careful what you put out there. And um, as a tip, some of the big no no's, as you've already mentioned, Scott, would be around politics, even liking something. Uh, you just don't want to go to to isolate different groups, especially if you're in a job search, because here's the deal. Everybody is so connected, as you mentioned, that it's pretty easy for people to see your profile, even if it's private, because likely they know somebody that you know. So, Scott, the time has flown by. Where can people reach you to get more information? Sure. They can check out our website. It is www.akeynotespeaker.com. Again, akeynotespeaker.com. Or you can come find me on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, or the like. Reach out and please send that message. Let me know what you're up to. Hopefully we can connect and observe some basic rules of business etiquette. And don't follow up with a sales a sales pitch five <laughs> seconds later. That's what we learned on the show. So thank you so much, Scott, and, and your book out there, The Business Etiquette Bible, has a lot of great information out there for those who are, are have questions around business etiquette and in terms of technology. I want to say thank you to all of our listeners and, of course, our callers for sharing your business etiquette pet peeves. It was really fun. Michelle and Dion, as always, it's so fun to, to be here with you all hour each week. And you've been listening to Career Talk on SiriusXM Channel 111. We will see you next time.